All right, go ahead and open your Bibles to that text. We have a few more weeks left before we end this series, and we're really halfway through the series already um, with this commandment, commandment number five. We have, after today, we have, um, we have five more uh, commandments to go. And <clears throat> I felt sometimes that I should, uh, I feel sometimes that I should combine some of the commandments, but, you know, <clears throat> to, to make the, uh, the, uh, the series a little bit shorter than, than it's going to be. But then, you know, every time I do that, something in me, um, uh, you know, stops me from doing that. I feel like we need to just bring out every single one of the commandments and see how the grace of each commandment is just overflowing with the grace of God and how it can over, also overflow into your life and into my life. And so uh, the series is going to end uh, right before we start Christmas. Uh, it's going to end on uh, uh, December 10 uh, with the last of the, of the commandments. Um, be that as it may, um, I hope that uh, the series, uh, by the end of the series, it will, it will have been um, 11 Sabbaths that um, I'm not taxing your, your uh, ability to focus uh, too much um, and that we will be able to see this uh, series through. I want to show you a picture of a handsome young boy. This is a picture of me. Sorry for tooting my own horn. Uh, and this is the only picture left of my childhood. I can't remember exactly when it was taken. My mom used to tell me where and when it was taken and try as, as hard as I could. I couldn't remember exactly where that was and when that was. And that's okay. My mom tells me that it was taken somewhere in, the, uh, in Manila, where we used to live, in inner city Manila, where uh, there is now a huge refi oil refinery. That place doesn't exist anymore as a place of abode. And uh, with all the moves we've, we've gone through, with all the transitions we've gone through, from that little village up there in the north, northern part of the main island of, of Luzon in, in the Philippines, to where we ended up here today, where I ended up today, with all those moves and the transitions, all my picture, the pictures of my childhood have disappeared. Um, and it's really a little bit sad. Um, so every chance I get, don't be too sorry for me. <laughs> Um, every chance I get, um, you know, I try to look for one more picture. And so far, I haven't been too successful at that. Um, but in November of 2016, just literally a month before we came over here and, and uh, became, your, became your new pastor, hasn't been that long. It's been that long. It's going to be almost six, six years by December Whenever that is, December 17th, I believe that, that, that is when we first got here. It's another Sabbath. Wow. It's been that long. Um, so, but in November of 2016, when I was last, when I went back to, to, to the old uh, country, to the, uh, to the land of my birth, to the Philippines, I drove all the way uh, up to my ancestral home, to the north of the main uh, island of Luzon, to the village where I was born. I was looking for a picture. I was looking for a picture. It wasn't a picture of me. 
It was a picture that used to hang on the wall in that upstairs bedroom where I was born. Yes, I was born in a house, in our ancestral home. I was looking for that picture. It's been there ever since I can remember. It's been there. It's been hanging on that wall uh, longer than I've been alive, so my mom says, because it's not a picture of me. It's a picture of my mom as a little girl with her mom and dad flanking her on either side. Many years before I was born, it's been there. And um, when I was a little kid, it didn't mean much to me. Like most pictures, you know, family pictures and hanging on the wall, it doesn't mean too much. It didn't mean too much to me back then. It means the world to me now. Um, it means the world to me because, you know, it's rich in history and in, in meaning. And through the years, this picture has become, you know, weather-worn and water-damaged. And um, it's, it's withstood uh, many summer heats and, and the humidity of the, of the tropics. And, and it's withstood many typhoons and many monsoon rain. And, and, but, but it stayed there all those years. Um, it stayed there as a silent witness of sorts. As, as we all move far away from that place, and look where I am now today. A silent witness of who I am today, where I came from. And my Auntie Norma, who now lives in that house, my, my mom's uh, stepsister, um, uh, you know, she, she now lives in that house. And so when I, when, when I visited the, the house in 2016, the first thing I asked of my auntie is, auntie, auntie, do you remember that picture of mom and Lolo, that's grandpa, Lola, that's grandma? Um, I don't seem to see it on that wall in, in the upstairs bedroom. Um, do you still have it? Do you still have that picture? And my Auntie Norma says, yes, uh, I, think, I believe we, st I, we still do. And, and so she says, I put it away somewhere because it was just getting, you know, beat up up there, you know, with what with, you know, with, with the, the weather and, every, and everything else. And so um, she, she reaches up above a cabinet and, uh, and she pulls down a picture and lo and behold, it was the picture that I'd been looking for. And I felt like I came halfway across the world to find that picture and to try to bring it home here to my home here in the United States. And so I said, um, and she, she says to me, Auntie, uh, um, my auntie says, here it is. And, and so she, she hands it to me. And I says, Auntie, Auntie, I'd like to take this picture back home to the U.S. with me for memory's sake. Do you mind? And she says to me, not at all, Belong. Belong is a term of endearment. Take it, she says, take it home, it's, it's, it's beat up. I wanna show you that picture. I scanned it as soon as I got home, I scanned it, sent uh, some copies of this picture uh, to my sister and my mom at home in, there in San Diego. Oh boy, there he goes. I did that to a computer once, by the way, and I cried when it fell and everything broke. And thank you, thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Carrie. Um, so there it is. Did it, did it break? The, the, the... You don't think so? Or there it is. Yeah, I should have, you know, that side is a little weak. There it is. This picture means a lot to me. And you know, this is not even a picture. It's, a, it's, a, um, it's an artist's rendition of a happy family, or should have been a happy family, because you see... That was, that's my, my mom when she was just a little, little uh, child, a uh, little girl. But 
This picture was never taken with the three of them sitting in front of a, uh, 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 a photographer. This is an artist's rendition of what should have been a happy family. Because you see, my, my mom never saw her dad alive. In 1942, during the Bataan Death March, my, my grandfather, as you can see, is wearing his army uniform here. Philippine Army, United States Armed Forces, Far East. He died at the Bataan Death March. Well, my mom was still a, a year and a half years old. So this is a picture of what should have been a happy family, but because of my grandfather's early death, early death, it never became so. There's a thousand stories I could tell about this picture. And I'm itching to tell my kids. And I hope they will listen. And I'm itching someday to tell my grandchildren about the stories behind this picture because it is my world. And the world as I trace my lineage through my mom's side of the family. And I framed it, and now it hangs. Thank God it fell. Thank you, Carrie. <laughs> it, it hangs up there in my study at home as a reminder, a silent reminder of who I am and where, I've, where I come from. It's a reminder, a silent witness to my past, reminding me, reminding me to honor the people that's brought me here and to honor those people that's given me love and meaning and purpose in, in my life. I want to set it just right so it doesn't do the same thing again. This silent picture, as I said, really holds a thousand stories waiting to be told and, uh, and I'm just itching to tell those stories. And, and I do tell those stories now and then uh, whenever somebody's listening. What does this picture have to do with the fifth commandment? The placement of, the commandment of this fifth commandment to honor father and mother in the middle of the text it seems just ordinary, but in fact, it is actually extraordinary. It's like a picture. It's like this picture hanging on a wall for, for ages, weather-worn and water-damaged and dull and, un, and uninteresting, nothing special, you say. But, but really, it holds the key to all of our hor horizontal, by that I mean our, our relationship with people around us. It holds the key to all our relationships and the quality of those relationships to a long, according to the, to the commandment itself, to a long and full life of relating to others. How could one commandment hold such promise? Let me go back to our basic analogy in this, in this sermon series, cascading waterfall. I'm sure you've had this experience yourself, but imagine yourself going to Yosemite. You've probably all, most of us have been to Yosemite, and... I took my family there some summers ago. From a distance, as you're coming down, um, you see, perhaps you see, um, you know, that towering Yosemite Falls, right? Cascading down from the crest all the way down to the base. And, and I, I, you know, when you look at that from afar, it's so, it's so majestic. Um, but it's so f out of reach. Uh, it, it seems so gigantic when, you, when you're looking at it, and then you try to walk towards it, and it seems even more gigantic. And, and, and we, that summer, summer when we went up there uh, to Yosemite uh, for a day trip, 
we realize that there is actually a lesser, just as well-known, but a lesser waterfall, and it's called the Bride Vale Fall. You've probably walked up to that fall. So imagine yourself walking towards that Bridal Veil Fall. And as you get closer to the, to the base of that uh, waterfall, you, you feel mist spraying your face and your, and, and, and your, your body, uh, you know, as, as water hits the base, you know, the base uh, rocks um, and sprinkles outward to those that are walking towards it. Imagine, imagine that experience, if you would. And imagine the four, first four commandments as that vertical fall, that vertical fall, water cascading straight down from the crest to the base, rocks. Imagine the first four commandments as that vertical fall, water flowing from the crest to the base. And then imagine the, imagine the last six commandments, which the fifth commandment begins. Imagine the last of those as the horizontal flow. So the first four commandments are the vertical fall, and the last six commandments, the horizontal flow, water flowing from the base on down. The first four commandments describe what it takes to have a grace-oriented, a grace-filled life with God. It's establishes the parameters towards a a spirituality that is God-centered, not God's-centered, but God-centered. God himself, Yahweh, of course, of of, of whom we know today to be a triune, a triunity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Imagine that, and, and one after another, the first four commandments anticipate and build upon the other, giving us a full picture If you're going to have a life that is filled with the goodness of God, then you need these four things. You need these four things, and the first four commandments describe that in all its its beauty, in all its grandeur. And then taken together, the first four commandments describe what it means, therefore, to love God and be filled with His grace, like cascading waterfall on its vertical, vertical fall all the way down to the base rocks. And what does it mean? It means the four commandments as it describes life with God. It means that life, for it to truly be filled with the grace of God, must be centered, centered in God, not in the self. Centered in God and the love of God and not in the love of self. I was reading a book just this week, and in that book, the author says that, you know, the, the, you know that, that, that the commandments does not tell us uh, between, you know, what it means to love or, or to hate, and, and that life, life is not about uh, love or hate. It's really, life is about love. It's just a matter of who you love. And the commandments tells us that if we love God rather than self, then we can begin to truly allow God to be himself rather than force all sorts of things on him to try to define him and redefine him and, and all, all, all that kind of stuff. Taken together, the first commandments describe to us what it means to love God and be filled by, by, by his grace. It means that we center our lives around him and him only. 
That's what it means, first of all. And then second of all, it means that we need to take him seriously as if he mattered to our everyday, every moment living during the week, every day of the week. If we let God be God and we allow him to be himself and we take him seriously, it means also that we create space for him and we spend time with him every seventh day for the entire day to learn to deepen our walk and to learn to enjoy ourselves in his presence. It's a beautiful life. And, and, and the first four describes, describes that to us. It is not a bunch of do's or don'ts or a list. If you don't do that, I'll slap your wrist. No. It is simply a description of the best kind of life, uh, uh, the quality of life centered in God. And so the first commandments are uh, described that vertical fall. I, heard, I, I read just, just not too long ago that bridal veil fall is a single drop. It's called a single drop fall. And taken together, we can see that the four commandments are exactly that. Um, but sooner or later, we say sooner or later, that vertical fall, that water cascading from the crest must sooner or later hit the base, the base rocks and must sooner or later will flow, flow horizontally downstream. The cascading vertical fall sooner or later must hit the base rocks and from there flow horizontally on down. And the first test of our vertical spirituality, of our horizontal spirituality, how we relate with people, is the fifth commandment itself. And so don't wonder, don't, don't think that this is just kind of haphazard way of, you know how it is sometimes when you're creating a list? It doesn't matter which one goes first or second or third, it's just a list. But this is not just a list, there's, there's a progression, there's a cascading process, progression uh, to, the, to these commandments. Because now what we have is right after we have seen the first four commandments that establishes what it's like to truly live with God as the center of our lives and to love Him with all our soul, heart, mind, uh, body, heart, and, and, and soul. Now we have the other half, the beginning of the, the second half of the commandments that tell us how it is to love people as ourselves. And the first test of our spirituality, our horizontal spirituality, right when the water hits that base rock, is how we treat mom and dad. If we see the commandments in this way, then we begin to realize just how pivotal, how pivotal the, first, the fifth commandment truly is in the scheme of things. God put it at the top of the last of the six commandments because it is the most basic, it is the most foundational outflow of our spirituality in the world. Get this one right, and grace keeps flowing on down to the rest of the commandments, to how we relate to people outside of our circle. And if the first four commandments can be summed up as letting God be God and enjoying Him for who He is, then we may sum up the last six commandments as letting people be people and enjoying them for who they are. And it starts, of course, 
Wouldn't you know it? It starts with mom. It starts with dad. Where else could it start? Because it is the most basic of all human relations, isn't it? Love, we say, begins at home. Loving people begins with loving, loving, learning to love, accept mom and dad for who they are. When we get this one right, getting the last five is going to be a lot easier. Get this one wrong and you're going to struggle on down to the very last of the commandments. This is why it's pivotal. Its placement here is not an accident. It is there precisely because God meant it so. Why? Because appreciating those whom, to whom we are indebted removes any sense of entitlement from us. It, and it creates in us a sense of gratitude, a, a sense of gratitude that grows and overflows from, from our hearts on down to the, to the rest of the people around us. How we treat mom and dad becomes the filter for how we treat others around us. This sense of gratitude, gratitude and appreciation contains in itself a promise, not just for longevity, a long life, but you know, I, can deal with, I cannot deal with a long life if it's going to be miserable. I'd much rather have a life a short, shorter life that's, that's not as miserable, perhaps. But if you notice, at least in the New Living Translation, um, uh, the way the New Living Translation, which I sh told you last uh, week, I was kind of getting myself all wrapped up in uh, after discovering it many years ago and left it many years ago. Um, it says, it, it, the wording there is pretty, it's pretty amazing because it says, honor father, your father and, your father and mother, then your life will, then you will live a long, that's the first adjective, and then the second adjective is comma, and then the second adjective is full life in the land your God is giving you. All right? So you have those two adjectives, and, you know, sometimes these adjectives can, can, can be a little tricky. But I'm here to tell you that the second adjective describes the first that there's a certain kind of life in which uh, this commandment promises us that when we, when we understand, when we are able to honor mom and dad in the best possible way, he sa it says that there is a promise. I mean, there's a promise to that, to, to that very commandment. And that is, it says, a long and full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And lest we misunderstand long to just be, to just mean longevity, living maybe 120 um, or so, whatever it is, uh, life here on earth, then I don't want us to misunderstand that because I think what it's trying to tell us here, and that's, it's not just longevity of life, but a certain quality of life that is full. And not just full, long as well. So I, I, I imagine those two adjectives as the second describing the first. It should be full and long life. In other words, you will have the promises that your life will be so full of meaning, so full of love, so fulfilling, that that in and of itself can carry you through longer than it would normally carry you in this world. 
when your life is filled with happiness, fulfilled, fulfilling, so, so meaningful, then it creates its own sense of longevity, doesn't it? And that's what happens when you learn to honor your mom and your dad. That's what this commandment is telling us. It's the beginning of that horizontal spirituality. If we do not learn to love mom and dad, how in the world can we learn to love others as well? So how do we love mom and pop? How do we honor mom and dad? In the study guide, which is now, I, I forgot to cue them, <laughs> um, the, um, uh, Dave and, and um, uh, it's being, right, thank you, uh, Rodney. I, it's, it's a little too late now because I forgot to cue you guys. They've been ready since the start of the sermon. But there's a study guide that I've put together for everyone uh, to use in your personal devotion as well as in your circles and in your groups during the week, which I highly encourage you to do. Uh, it's, it's, it's key to the sermon, to, to every week's sermon, to today's sermon. In that study guide, uh, you will find that I've listed 10 ways in which we can honor our mom, our moms and dads. And um, let me just quickly go through them here. Be thankful for them, communicate with them, talk to them with respect, seek their advice, pray for them, encourage them, forgive them, listen to their stories. That's what I'm itching to do. Take care of them. That probably is the one that I gravitate uh, towards a lot. And talk well of them. Take care of them is one that, 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 that has a very special meaning to me uh, because, you know, um, my mom is in the twilight of her years and my da dad died almost 29 years ago and I'm almost as old as my, when my dad died. That's going to be one, that, one threshold I'm not, uh, it's going to be taken by me really, really hard when that happens, but that's another story. My mom is at the twilight of her years. Um, and, uh, there's the, and, and there's a reason why I, I gravitate towards this, because in my culture of origin, there's this, there's this well-defined, long-standing tradition that whatever happens, whatever happens, mom and dad should never end up, end up in a care home. And I'm here to tell you that my own sister is honoring my, our own mother by refusing to do, by, by, by continuing this tradition, this time-honored tradition in our culture of origin. My mom, as I, say, as I said, is in the twilight of her years, and, and my sister is taking care of her at home while she herself, a nurse, is busy with her own family. One day, my mom will not be able to take care of herself, and I can see my mom staying in her own bed, in her own bedroom, a little cluttered. That's okay, it's her bedroom. I used to say when I was a, little kid, when I was a teenager, I used to put it right on the, you know, the, the door to my room, and it was just me and my mom at that time, and I, I, it was really directed towards my mom. And it says, my room, my mess. My business. <laughs> Those were the days when I was still learning how to honor my mother. Please, please forgive me. <laughs> I was a teenager, crazy teenager. 
One day my mom will not be able to care for herself. And who must care for my mom? Her children. How do you propose to take care of your mom and dad when they're old and they can no longer take care of themselves? I have this short video of the big daddy, the big Aristotle. Those of you who aren't Laker fans, you probably don't know who it is, but you'll guess soon enough. The big Aristotle is Shaquille O'Neal, the gentle giant. And I have two shorts, uh, 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 YouTube shorts, videos uh, of, of Shaquille. And I, wanna, I, want, I, want, I want us to listen to the first one here. Um, he's describing how he's taking care of his own uh, mom and dad in the twilight of their years after he became famous and, and filthy rich. I realized my parents never owned a house. The family never owned a house. We all grew up in project building. So I'm like, I gotta get my mom a new house. One time we was riding in San Antonio, we was riding through neighborhoods and you know the house wasn't much, $400,000 house, but she just stopped and like she's looking at the house. And I said to myself, I'm gonna get my mother a house. I'm gonna get her a mansion. I'm gonna get her whatever she wants. So that was always part of my motivation. So first thing I did when I got drafted, I bought them a house and I said, okay, here it is. Dad, I need you to retire from the army. Work for me now. You got your own my fan club. I need you to run it. Thank you for everything. I'll take it from there. And you know, my father was very proud. He's like, "Hey, I'm 65. I can retire. You can take care of the family." And he had a tear in his eye. So cool, man. That's the big Aristotle. We don't have his millions. I wish I did. We don't have to take care of mom the way he can take care of his mom and dad. But the principle is there. They say that the proof of the pudding is in its eating. And I'm here to tell you that the proof of our spirituality, the proof of the grace of God in our life, is first measured by how we love on our moms and our dads. And truth be known, everybody has one, unless you were born from a tree. So nobody's exempt. We all must do it. If that grace is going to f keep flowing down from God to us and through us on down to the people around us. But this is not what this commandment is about. This is one thing that this commandment is not about. It's not about saying, it's not about, you know, it's not about, you know, not speaking against parental abuse, and th those do happen. And it's not about overlooking the weaknesses and the sins of our parents, that also has its own place. Going back one more, one more time to the big Aristotle, here's what he has to say to somebody who, you know, says to him in an interview that, you know, he's having some rough time with his own dad. And, and here's how Sha Shaquille O'Neal takes care of that. I actually recently just got into it with my, with my dad. and So what you need to do when you live here, just call him and tell him you love him. That's it. Nothing to talk about. doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. Dad, I love you and I respect you and I'll see you when I get home. Because one of the biggest mistakes I made, and I talked about this last two years, is because I work a lot, so it's easy to go, I'll do it tomorrow. One day I get a call and my sister's no longer with us. So I'm already down, you know, from that. And then I get another call. Hey man, Kobe Bryant just passed away. 
And all I had to do was pick up the phone and say, hey, I miss you. Hey, I love you. Hey, what you doing? So after we get off this, don't go hang with these guys. Go in the back room, call your father, say, dad, I love you. Everybody's going to have arguments. You're going to have fights. But I know you have respect for your father. You know, sometimes when we get older, we think they don't know what they're talking about. But just, just listen to what he's saying. If you agree, do it. If you don't agree, just respect what he says. Say, dad, I don't agree. But you don't need to be fighting and going long distance without talking to your dad. So let's just call him and tell him you love him. Oh, I appreciate that. After that video, I think I have a phone call to make. So I'm going to end the sermon here now. I have a phone call to make. And I believe you do too. Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for mom and dad. We all have our own mom and dad. And thank you, God, for reminding us that as we are filled by your grace, as we focus our lives on you, the first test of our spirituality is how we honor those two individuals in our lives that have brought us here on this earth. And by honoring them, we honor you as well. And by honoring them, we learn to love others outside of our family circles. Thank you for this grace that you want, oh God, to pour upon us and down to the people around us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.